0: Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network. Presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and joining us this week from across the pond is Ricard Nilsson, which I probably totally butchered, but that's okay. I'm 25% Swedish, so I'm going to go with go with the best that I can. Um, we're going to talk about ADMEC today, and we're super excited about it. If you're new to the podcast, this is our episode one where we talk about the strategy of a list, a specific list. So we're going to go through basically what's in the list, why it's in the list, Um, And what the overall strategy for the list is, think about it as a macro discussion. And then for our patrons in episode two, we'll go into the nitty gritty, dirty details of optimal play with the list. We'll basically talk about how Ricard plays the list. Joining me as always is the one and only the Tom Brady of 40K, Nick Nanavati, who has tons and tons of accolades, which I won't bore you with. But just trust me when I tell you he's won an awful lot of things. He's going to help us break down the discussion by asking really smart questions. Nick, can you do me a favor? Go ahead, introduce Ricard, and then let's get started with this discussion about ADMIC.
2: Absolutely. Ricard is a diehard ADMIC player from Sweden, so many of you may not have heard of him over in the States here, but he is an excellent player. He and I have come to blows uh, at the LGT invitation last year where I nearly got the win. And uh, he started a lot of groups online for aspiring ADMIC players to help them get better. And he takes a very unique approach to the game, uh, not typically just spamming guns, as most AdMech players do, and um, he sees a lot of success with his unique style. So that's what we're here to break down today. Rickard, how are you doing?
3: Oh, doing well, Nick. Thanks for the introduction, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. Um, So why don't you start us off by kind of reading us through what your latest and greatest AdMech list is, and then we'll take it from there.
3: Sure thing. So I've been experimenting a lot since 9th edition came around with different admin lists, starting, of course, with the obvious, the Mars shooty list, but uh, realized that, uh, hey, if I go second, I'm kind of stuck in my corner, uh, and I need some counter push elements to be successful. And so experimenting with the new units we got from Engine War and everything, I've come up with a mixed battalion, actually, which means that I forego the... Uh, yeah, the Forge World specific benefits, for example, having that's two... A right there.
2: That's a yeah? that's a big deal. Like, you, Mars is an amazing thing. You get two canticles, DG's yeah. up, minus one to hit. You have great Forge World traits. So I'm oh, very yeah. keen to see why you went for a mixed attachment. But I guess we'll get to that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Well, it's really to, uh, because I needed command points, and I figured I wanted to be as efficient as possible. And do I really need a minus one to hit? Do I really need the two canticles? And I figured, yeah, no, not really in this kind of list. It actually works fine without them. But so there's a mixed battalion, and it's got a Dominus that belongs to Mars Forge World, And he's got the majus trait, which means he has an aura of exploding sixes or additional hits on, on sixes to hit in shooting. And I've got a Stygis Manipulus as my second HQ with uh, buying an extra wallet trait, Prime Hermeticum. So he allows rerolls within six in close combat. And also a little <clears throat> nice relic that gives him a D6 extra tentacle and Mechadendrite attacks. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah, because it's, we don't really have any other that useful relics. Uh, and then we've got uh, two times five Stygis Vanguard dudes running around, some obsec there, just backfield holders. And then one squad of five Grya vanguard. That's for the stratagem to allow me to deny psychic powers on four-ups. And then we have three units of Vulgarite Electro-Priests, one unit of seven, because that makes them easy to squeeze into my drill that I also run, together with the vanguard squad. So one unit of seven, one of nine, and one of ten. And the unit of nine allows me to combo that with a Manipulus inside the transport, because the WTC rule that he can actually get his ore off from within the transport, so that's the reason behind that. Uh, But he's perfectly fine to run on on foot as well. And then we have the raiders, of course, that everyone runs these days. Uh, So two units of three, so just skimping down on the size there. I used to run a lot of units of five or three units of five earlier, but I figured uh, that's actually just what I need, these two units of three. And then a big unit of balistari. belonging to Mars as well, six of them. Because, yeah, then you still have the Mars shooting and coupled with the Stygis Fulgurites. And for the Stygis Fulgurites, we also have uh, two Dune Riders and one Drill and rounding off with three Mars disintegrators as well, the ever-present Mars uh, shooting tanks. And that's the list. Um,
2: Okay, so it looks like a... Kind of a the standard units you'll see in an Admic army. There are the Cerebus Raiders. There's the Chicken Walkers. There's three Scorpius Disintegrators, and there's an Electro Priest hanging out in a drill. That looks like a very typical Admic list to me. But yeah. you've kind of foregone some auto takes, and obviously mixing your detachment is a really interesting choice. Um, there's no call to help out with the rerolls to hit. What's that about?
3: No. Well, he costs two hundred points. And to use him, you really want to be pure Mars because he also allows canticle manipulation so that you can <clears throat> roll two dice and give him plus or minus one. So I figured I'd save 120 points on taking a Dominus instead. And since the Chicken Walkers usually get plus two to hit for one command point, then I don't really need the full rerolls either. So it's just yeah.
2: a. And you have the full Ballistic skill Overwatch, so it's not like you're getting that benefit out of it either. You're Overwatching no. fine already.
3: No, exactly, and he doesn't give rerolls to Overwatch anyway, Cole, so... Yeah. Oh, he doesn't
2: anymore? Right. No, he there, never
0: was a, I a always slim, there
3: was a slim window yeah. when he did, when GW screwed up one of the FAQs, but they fixed that Excellent. within a week, I think. <laughs> but no, so he's really just... Um, figured I don't really need him, and I, uh, the, the Stygie's stratagems for the Stygis scout moves is really key, as you've probably seen with other armies that can scout move, like Raven Guard and so on. It re- can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. To get that uh, board presence early on so so let me yeah
1: let me ask a general question um, looking at your list, I think it's really interesting, and i want I want to point this out uh, so it looks to me like you have foregone um, a lot of really good benefits, for example, you could split it up your list into multiple um, detachments, but you lose c p and it costs you like you have to take more characters, so it looks to me. Yeah. Like you've given up your Ford World traits to really just get more business in your list. You just have the maximum. Like you've you've taken down your service raiders and do the the minimum you can take, and mm-hmm. everything else is stuff that per that does work. You know, for yeah. the most part, is that a fair estimation on sort of the list design?
3: Absolutely. So I mean, in in Ninth Edition, it's of course true that you need to uh, like have just board control and resilience, but it. It also helps a lot to have a lot of shooting and a lot of punching in close combat. I mean the Fulgurites I think you guys talked a lot about like action economy and stuff like that and the Fulgurites can really use that being able to both take an objective, swing at your opponent, swing twice if needed, uh, and so on. So you can they are really versatile in that aspect. Uh, I found
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that aspect. I mean, you have gone for a little bit of everything with your list. You have the Stygies combat, you have the Grya anti-psychics, and, of course, the Mars gun. So it makes perfect sense. And honestly, like you said, you don't really need those canticles. They're nice, quality life upgrades. Yeah. Um, and you don't really need the minus one hit again, a nice, quality life upgrade. But none of it is integral to how your army plays on the table. Like, you've just taken a lot of great units, and you have a lot of command points to fuel it because it's all one detachment. Hmm. To that end, I guess, like, what stratagems do you typically find that you use that make it also like that you need all these command points instead of having a stitches attachment and a mars attachment
3: so i'm usually out of command points by turn turn two <laughs> or turn three. Oh, because okay, so you're uh, I mean, yeah obviously i start with 11 since i buy the world trade for the manipulus and then i usually scout move uh, my two uh, dune riders so two command points there so down to nine and first turn i usually fuel the balistari with four command points to just hammer something with uh, plus one to hit, plus one to wound, and mortal wounds, on fives and sixes. So that's five command points left. Two of those I will usually use to uh, give one unit of fulgurites a uh, two-up invo uh, on an objective, uh, providing I can kill something, which I usually can. And then I have three command points left, which allows me to potentially swing again. Or if I don't need that, then I will, of course, save those. And then next round, <laughs> I can do the ballistari one more time. And that's mm-hmm. usually enough to like cripple the opponent quite quite severely.
2: Right. So I'm looking at your list, and I'm trying to imagine how it kind of plays on the table. You have the Stygies, uh in the drill and just kind of... Are they just walking around? Am I missing the
3: other parts to the unit? <laughs> the drill uh, usually deep strikes with seven fulgurites and <clears throat> one unit of vanguard. That depends on what which secondary size shoes, and that of course depends on which army I'm facing. But it's nice to allow for both line breaker and uh, uh, scramblers, which the drill does very good because it deep strikes down somewhere, and the vanguard can immediately disembark. So can the priests, but I usually. Always keep the, the priests inside a drill for one turn so that they can benefit from their move next turn and actually get the charge off more reliably. Yeah,
2: you're and, not yeah, so. going for like get the priests
3: out and hope you roll a nine. No, like. no, no. If I'm desperate, I might do it. Like if I really, really like, okay, I'm losing That's this game. Yeah, I, your need, back's against I need, the a, wall I need a swing. Yeah. Uh, then I will try. And uh, I'll try sometimes to get them within the manipulus range as well. So I used to, uh, I've run this list since the start of nine, really, uh, for a couple of RTTs and. and gts and the only difference that used to be before was that i had instead of the drill i had another dune rider transport and w- instead of seven Fulgurites, i had nine more and uh, that's about the same points uh, as upgrading one of the transports to drill but i figured that the, the final transport with drills like the third transport didn't really see combat until turn turn three usually because i usually didn't like fuel all of them to go and throw them in the face so, of my opponent i Wanted to have some in reserve, and I, I kept finding that hmm, I, I would have liked to be able to place that to have it even more mobile than it is. And upgrading to drill meant I could actually come in on to, turn two wherever I needed the priests most. So unless I'm going for some kind of secondary for line breaker or something like that, I will probably just have the drill in deep strike and then place it wherever it's needed. So like to if I if my firing base is threatened and i will pro- probably place it as a like final blocker if uh, my other fulgurite units have been dealt with already perhaps
2: so are your other fulgurite units kind of infiltrating up the table trying to get into like a midfield ruin and just waiting out there or are they like how are you using the ones that are walking around
3: well it depends well no one's walking around everyone's in transport so there's two units
2: oh, there's in dune riders right. yeah that's in right. riders I, I and, two
3: riders and right. uh, no <laughs> and then one unit in the drill so i will usually always scout move both or pay for scout dune riders because if I go second then I can like forward move them into, there's usually like an L ruin or something in the midfield and if I go second I can use that scout move to actually push them up into that ruin unless I'm facing space marines of course who might have uh, Phobos units to block me off, but then I can at least move them backwards a bit, perhaps move them in and touch uh, some terrain uh, a wood or something to give them minus one to hit Um, yeah, just have the flexibility there and if i go first against something that doesn't have screens then i'm on your home objective turn one with the two-up invo so
2: yeah yeah so you're not afraid to like run out there and charge turn one because usually when i see admic lists which are full of electro priest plus shooting which is essentially what yours is the yeah. priests are typically used in more of a counter-charge role when someone comes into you to try to tie up your guns you just mm. kill them electro priest get yourself an invo that way and yeah. yeah exactly stuff. Uh, you're, and you're you're using owning... these much more aggressively
3: yeah, because if you're running pure Mars, which most ADMIC players are these days, then you'll probably include the, the Fulgurites as a counter-charger, like you say, and you don't have that option to push forward turn one. But with Stygis, you actually do. And that's a 9-inch scout move plus an 18-inch average charge from your chassis of the of the transport. Now, so, yeah, do you 20, find
2: seven, that, like, is that so like your strategy? Seven. Like, I'm going to go first and charge you with these priests? Like, should you go first? Or is it no. like, opportunistically, you'll do it?
3: Opportunistically, I mean, the list plays really well going going second. So I've played several tournaments where I've gone second every game and still had a lot of success. Uh, And just being able to scout move up into that L turn one, that means that the opponent really has to just move away from the flanks and everything that's within 18 of of that chassis or even further on because they probably don't want to gamble that I charge them anyway. Uh, and that gives me a lot of, like, that makes me stay in the game even though I'm going second, having those two units uh, scout move up. And there's a, ne- a neat little trick with it. I don't know if we're going to save that for <laughs> episode two or if you want me to talk about that now. Oh, we
2: can, we can divulge the neat little tricks here. Episode two, we focus on the good stuff, but we'll get into the tactical matchup stuff later.
3: All right, nice. Well, you so can, you can so I, I have no problem like exposing one of my transports, turn one, if I'm going second, if there is a nice place to hide in the midfield. Because when someone blows up my transport, I have a zero command point stratagem to disembark without taking attrition that turn. And I can combine that with the rulebook's new stratagem for disembarking six inches away. And taking Ooh, so you get a
2: three-six inch disembark, yeah. and you're not risking yeah, any electric
3: priests. No, exactly. So that's, that's really awesome
2: clever. Because
3: Love yeah, that. because then I can just push that that unit even further forward, and then actually charge them in my in my turn one, and they Honestly, perhaps didn't that, that expect that.
2: Great little tech piece. Because like I'm always afraid of using that six inch disembark unless it's like I, I need to, because <laughs> you could roll like a bunch of ones <clears> and twos, yeah. and now I don't have a unit anymore.
3: But, yeah. Uh... So for one command point, that's really good. Just having a six inch. Disembark without yeah, any risk. That's beautiful. So
1: that's actually that's actually really gross because you sort of give your opponent a choice, right? They're like, "Well, I can blow up that Dune Rider," which they want to do. Yeah. Uh, and they think that they think they're going to get after the the priests inside or at least slow them down, but really they haven't slowed them down that much
2: because no. <laughs> the, they might have actually given them more movement doing this because it's faster yeah. to do it disembark in your opponent's right. turn this way yeah. than it is the normal old-fashioned way. Yeah, no, That's, I mean, that's really
3: you can, you can usually get to like some un unprotected unit in your opponent's backfield and kill it and just string out to an objective. And if you have a two-up invo, your opponent really needs to dedicate their whole like shooting and combat to dealing with that unit. And that leaves all my backfield safe. Can
2: you, and can you just explain in real quick? Yeah. Um, how Electro Priests get to a Tinbinville for those people who aren't familiar with ADMEC?
3: Yeah, sure. So, when they charge in, they have these impact hits that they do. So, you roll one dice for each Electro Priest in the unit uh, against one target that you made it into base contact with. And on a six, they take a mortal wound. <clears throat> but that's just one part. And you don't need to count like the, the dudes in base contact. Just count every Electro Priest in the unit and target against one of them. Yeah,
2: not a bad way to get some extra mortals.
3: No, exactly. But you need to be careful there because obviously you will do on average one to two mortal wounds, but you might roll hot. And if you if you're up against like a five-man squad or a four wound character, you might actually kill it with those impact hits. And what actually gives them the invo is if they destroy a unit in the close combat phase. And this is the charge phase, remember. And you can't re-roll these anymore, like usually in eighth edition, if you roll too hot and, and just kill something, you might reroll one of those sixes into a not six, so you could actually swing in a close combat phase and get that invo up. So you need to be careful there to, to not like, yeah, I managed to ship off uh, uh, four out of five scouts with shooting in that unit, and you charge the final one, and you kill it on the charge phase, and you still don't get your invo up. And then you're at your base invo, which is a five up. So... But when you have killed a unit in close combat, you're up to a 3-up invo, like for the rest of the game, which is really nice. And there's a stratagem when you're on an objective for two command points, which gives you plus one to your saving throws and plus one to your attacks during your opponent's uh, phase or turn. So that's how you get to a 2-up effective invo, because you're a 3-up base and you get plus one to your saves.
2: Can be really... Once those uh, uh, Electro-Priests get to a two-up-invil, they are so hard to deal with, and they're very threatening, so it's kind of... It's almost like this whole strategy is putting your opponent between a rock and a hard place. You can blow up the Scorpius, which will open up the Mm -hmm. Electro-Priests, but then they'll make you be closer and be making charges to get this two-up-invil, or you ignore the Scorpius, the Disintegrator, other Dune Rider, that one, Transport. But then you've ignored the Transport, so like, what did you do this turn?
3: Yeah, exactly. And since the transport scout moved nine inches up the table, it's got an eighteen-inch average threat range from its chassis, and that's also like something to consider. Because in these new, smaller boards, I mean, in Eighth Edition, I always felt like, uh, yeah, it's quite a distance. You know, you can you can always hide stuff in the backfield, but losing losing those inches now in Ninth Edition, that actually turned me into one of those lists that i hated to face that that was able to just charge you turn one and i realized i've become that now (laughs) that's not
2: edition, Ninth edition really (laughs) kind of demands you play a much more aggressive style into 40k
3: yeah absolutely no so that's just a great opportunity if my opponent doesn't have any like forward scouting units like incursors or something which actually makes my scout moves not able to happen because I can't end it within nine of an enemy model. But if the opponent doesn't have that and I go first, then I'll probably have a priest unit on one of your objectives with a 2-up invo. That's quite common. I mean, because I have the shooting to soften any target that I need uh, just well enough so that the priest can finish. it. Yeah.
2: Now, this is more of a... I guess it's a little bit matchup specific, so answer this vaguely, I suppose, but... uh, (laughs) uh, when you have, like, you're playing against someone with nerdlings or incursors or whatever, and they infiltrate very far forward to push you back on your pregame movements, but then you go first, yeah. you just get out and charge them to get a two-up invul in midfield like that, or not really?
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> That's just free snack okay. for my Electra Priests, because like, oh, nice, <laughs> uh, gave me a three-up invul on both my units, and making me push up to both, like, midfield objectives and that's just awesome.
2: So again, you're you're kind of putting yourself your opponent in a lose-lose situation. You can either block the scout move or yeah. you can
3: uh but you know, the worst things is like yeah, if you can if my opponent can forward deploy and then redeploy. That's just that just kills me. <laughs> because... Yeah,
2: that's like Ultramarines <laughs> Eldar can do that. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> tough
3: for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's like the, the hard counter, I guess.
2: Yeah. Okay, so I want to shift gears a second and finish talking about the strange choices you made in your list. Um, I guess let's finish up the Electro Priest though. Seven, nine, ten. Uh, yeah. Why are these the numbers? Like, you know, you mentioned you put seven in the drill with five uh, Vanguard. That makes yeah. sense because it holds 12 dudes, but why not just put 12 Electro in there or 10? Why, <laughs> why the one, one?
3: Well, the Styges Vanguard is really key because they can deploy scramblers in my opponent's turn. Then the moment the drill touches down because the drill has a special rule that allows them to disembark when the drill touches Mm. down. So that's why I want the Vanguard because I don't want the priest obviously to go out and deploy scramblers and die because they are far more valuable actually charging something. But, uh, so so that's, that's the reason behind it. Um, that's the reason. For the seven man unit, uh, like I said, it used to be a nine-man unit, or a 10-man even, I think, that had its own Dune Rider, and I just didn't have a drill. I just had three Dune Riders with three units. But like I said, right. I, uh, I, like, I like having that option to like put the drill where I need to, to, to boost my like battle zone where I need it, the, the flank I need it. And also, it unlocks all these secondaries, for example, Linebreaker and Scramblers, which I often take. Actually, I think mm-hmm. I took it. Four games out of five, the last GT, and that's because if I'm up against something that doesn't really know or that doesn't really have the the assets to screen out their backfield, for example, elite space marines, custodes, or or, or something like that, and uh, deployment is quite uh, a big one, then I know that if I take these two, I will either force them to uh, like screen, and I don't want to do that because they have like really precious few elite units, and every unit they actually screen with means that's one unit less that will contest my midfield game and I will usually get to the opponent's field anyway because I might need to deep strike the drill just outside of deployment the first turn but then I can probably push in later and with the raiders and everything that's usually fine.
0: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink.
3: leave spaces in the backfield, which they usually do if they don't have the assets to screen out, and that's 25 I think you're also using a
2: really beautiful tactic here, which uh, I've used a lot before in different editions. But basically, the idea is, if you are playing uh, a shooting or assault army, or in this case, you're playing kind of both, um, if you have something threatening in Deep strike, in this case, your drill and Electro-Priest, your opponent is incentivized to extend some screens to go... Push that back, make it so it does yeah. just take over your backfield and whatever that is. But when you do that, when you extend those screens forward, mm. you kind of you either put yourself in line of sight of all these powerful admet guns, or you put yourself closer to the electro Priest enabling you to get off charges. So it's like doubly synergistic. Not only is it a piece that does its own stuff, yeah. it forces your opponent to act differently in a beneficial way to you. Is that fair to absolutely.
3: say? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And now that the drill is. Becoming a bit more expensive, it got uh, I think to 180 points and got some boosts to mm-hmm. uh, wounds and me- melt gun in the Forge World book. Then I would probably just drop a drop one ballistari and add a new drill because it's it's that good. It's that, that was key. another
2: question of mine was basically yeah. why are we at a unit of six chickens instead of five? Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that's because uh, the punch from each chicken when you pile on those f- <laughs> four command points and uh, with the exploding hits or I just that's so efficient. So I just want all the oh, chickens. For sure. like, you know, I'm thinking miniature. more like... Inceptors, plasma inceptors is a problem, but... You yeah. read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, of course. There Basically, is it's worth having...
2: the plasma inceptors and the coherency issues.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think the coherency issues is that bad. I mean, obviously, I used to play with five, uh, two units of five chickens, and I played with mm. one unit of six. And yes, the coherency, you need to be a bit... It's a bit fiddly to get that to work when you need want to hide everything behind line of sight and so on the first turn, but it's it's doable. I haven't found found it to be that that big of an issue, and I mean yeah, it's really only plasma Inceptors and it's really only like raven guard and stuff that can scout move them ahead because otherwise I can usually screen them out with both my priests and my raiders so that because they only have an eighteen inch threat range, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a boogeyman for sure for the list, but. Uh, Having six is just so efficient when you're shooting like astro tanks or something like that. do Yeah, three there, three there. You're two that de- two tanks dead. Right? Yeah, two, two there, dead. two there, yeah, two I, there. I, two uh, there. That's
2: definitely helps you, math because like I've I've played against five a lot. Richard Sealer uses five typically, and like he'll usually pump all five into one unit, and it's absolutely dead. Let's not ask questions here, but yeah, you can actually reliably do that to two units the way you're doing it.
3: Yeah, and he's over killing the crap out of me? <laughs> yeah, I think. The unit of six will kill two impulsors statistically with i think three wounds or four wounds to spare on each or something like that wow so and is that
2: with the two cp mortal wound strat or are yeah, you yeah, like yeah, plus yeah, one to yeah. wound or no?
3: yeah, yeah okay. with everything with all that obviously, how often you do, do
2: you use that combo obviously it's there but is that something you're doing a lot
3: if it's if i have an efficient target to shoot at, then i will use it but if if my opponent has hidden everything very well and i can probably only see one unit and obviously i will like just do the math quick in my in my head like a true ad you know <laughs> and if i <laughs> if i realize i don't need it and i won't use it but if i realize hey i can actually max- maximize some damage here uh that would give me an upper hand later on because i can wipe these units out and i will do it any day of the week
2: right that makes sense to me okay so let's talk about another oddball choice you've made here which is your only running two units of three raiders. I've run I've seen people run 27 things. Like uh, I, I personally like like two to three units of five. Uh but actually yeah. I don't play Macback. So what's your thoughts on this?
3: Well, obviously since I'm running one battalion, I, I skimmed it down to just two, two units because I need the chickens as, as well. And they're right. my third fast attack choice. And I I've 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 run some tests with three units of nine as well, just and and some units of five. But I feel like they mostly like, I want them to usually hide, just standing somewhere behind terrain and just taking up space. So my opponent's eradicators can't come in on my flanks. That's usually their job. And then I only need two units. Just be a
2: cheap screen, essentially. Don't be the backbone of
3: your army. Yeah, just a cheap screen, exactly. And and just um, like just having two units of three allows me to afford another Ballistari, for example. I could also swap that sixth Ballistari for. Uh, going up to two units of five, but I found that the uh, extra Ballistar is well worth the punch it provides.
2: I can see that, definitely. I mean, if you're using them in the role of like, I'm just a cheap screen, maybe a little objective skirmisher early on, yeah. engage it all fronts, that kind of thing. Yeah. Having five versus having three doesn't really matter. I mean, five lets you attempt to kill here just with their sniping powers a little bit better, and five yes, lets you move blocks that spread out more. Which is not insignificant, but certainly not like a deal breaker for the unit. I think it's very much preference choice between a six ballastari versus the extra two ponies in the unit.
3: Yeah, and uh, of course, I mean, five-man units would be, I guess, a bit better, for sure. I mean, they mm-hmm. pack more punch, and they are more durable, and you can actually zone out an objective marker entirely if you have five just in a placing them in a circle, which can be really key if you're yeah. playing an objective mission where you need to hold two objectives to even score five points. Then if you go first, you can actually just move up and make your opponent not have those five points in any way mm-hmm. because you're on the objective, and if he charges you, you will just run away. Uh, so, sure, but the unit of three makes it a bit more maneuverable and a bit more like easy to hide. Uh, morale is not that big of an issue. Sure, they get wiped out easier, but Uh, I feel that uh, two units of three is uh, fine for this list, because the digest boats will be up there as well, like blocking the midfield once the priests are out, the boats will move and sort of provide a similar service as the raiders are doing, just standing in the way of deep strikers and outflankers and all that.
2: Right. So, yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm with it. Now, why have they gone from Mars? Is it just like... I was thinking Stygies makes more sense them, just because then, even a pinch, you can pre-game move them if you find yourself in a weird scenario.
3: Yeah, they used to be Stygies, but I couldn't... Uh, they disallowed that in the latest FAQ, so you can't scout move those anymore because they have like, a native scout move of just 12 plus their move, plus their, their right. advance. And you used to be able to... I couple that with the 9-inch pregame move from Stygis, but they disallowed that in the latest FAQ. So I figured I'd just go for Mars, because then it synergizes with the uh, Dominus. If he's close by, they will get extra shots on 6s. In a pinch, I could pop Wrath yeah. of Mars and do like double mortals on 6s if I really need to take those two wounds off an annoying character or something. So that's why they're Mars, because yeah, since I'm running sense. a mixed battalion, I don't get any ben- ben- benefits from minus 1 to hit or anything like that. So, you're just getting mm-hmm. the, the maximum use out of what potential stratagems and auras they can have. So, that's why they're Mars.
2: Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. I just wanted to yeah. kind of clarify it. Oh, yeah. Fair. I also didn't realize that FAQ existed. So, that answers that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, let's talk more on a theoretical level here about your army. Like, what kind of secondaries are you taking, and like how do you typically go about planning how you're going to win the game?
3: Yeah, so that obviously depends on what I'm facing. Do you want me to go through some of the like latest games in the latest tournament I went to and what I took or
2: Yeah, you could you could do that. I mean, just like on a conceptual level, like a, are you going for scramblers with your vanguard as an auto take, engage in yeah. all fronts. Obviously, if you're playing someone who bleeds, you know, bring it down. So you're gonna tape, bring it down. But yeah. like assuming you're playing an army, it doesn't really just give something away, obviously.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, quite common with space marines these days, for example. Right. They don't really give up, give up anything easy like that. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm <clears throat> So if I'm up against something that will not be able to screen out their backfield, I will usually go with Linebreaker and Scramblers as my go-to picks. Uh, and then for the third one, then obviously I can't take uh, the recon or domination or engage on all fronts and domination because Linebreaker is... Uh, in that slot, and I can't go for banners yeah. because uh, I've taken. Now, it's handlers. interesting
2: you're going for line breaker instead of all of those ones because, tipi- like, I like line breaker, but I typically find engaging all fronts to be just much consistent, easier, less binary. <laughs> okay. All those big words.
3: Yeah, that kind of depends. I, I think, um, since you get four points each time you score it, I think it's quite <laughs> solid uh, and it forces my opponent to to screen. And which, if I, I do an if I think they will not be able to do that, or if they do it, that will make my game easier in general for the primaries and so on. And also make their game e- like harder for the secondaries, then I will probably pick that. Yeah. I haven't actually gone wrong with it so far, and I've played like around 50 games so far in ninth edition. Wow. I think about 30 That's tournament games. So... Uh, and I, it ha- hasn't disappointed I
2: think me moved yet. To Sweden. I haven't played a single tournament game in ninth edition. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we haven't had that much restrictions here. So that's why I've been able to play a lot. Yeah, so that's good. That's awesome. Um, Happy to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so no, Linebreaker has been really, uh, really consistent for me, actually. Uh, against certain matchups. I mean, if I'm up against something that will absolutely screen me out, then no, I, I won't pick it. But uh, then right. I will go for engagement all fronts, like you say, or perhaps domination if, if there's something that's really like stationary that won't be able to push the Yeah, You love
2: domination in the five objective missions too.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's really easy. So oftentimes I take that one as well. But Those two, like if I'm up against Marines or something that doesn't have that much screening, then I will go for those two. And as a third pick, I'll probably go for just While We Stand We Fight and hope that shooing through all my Balistaria and all my Priests will be enough to keep my uh, Disintegrators safe. Because they are obviously the three most expensive models. But if they have a lot of well, like long-range shooting,
2: how you use your oh go ahead, sorry. Yeah,
3: sure. So, but if they have a lot of long-range shooting, like last cannons and stuff, then I will be very cautious of going to. Uh, while we stand, we fight, and we'll probably go for just, uh, I don't know, just kill more or something to actually get some points, because that's yeah like the last category that I can pick from really when if I've already right. picked line line breaker and uh, scramblers. But yeah, the disintegrators, and that's really good to have. Like they're a solid while we stand against a lot of armies, like melee-based armies, like uh, demons, monster spam, or like custodes without a- any telemons or any longer in shooting. Then they are quite quite hard to get to them because they can play real cagey and just stay back. And when they see what the balistari does, <laughs> they will prioritize shooting them every day. Yeah, they won't focus that much on the disintegrates because the disintegrates is usually just pick up stray units. You know, they they like split their fire from the different guns just to <clears throat> where it's needed. While the ballistari are like the, the or
2: chickens like, are like their big damage output, and then the scorpions yeah. kind of finish off whatever they need to.
3: Exactly, the ballistari will remove units, uh, and that's the opponent will focus on them first usually. Yeah. So even I, I if
2: find I find that to be the case, they're also I find they're a lot more reward for your time and effort to kill? Because, like, Scorpius Disintegrator, it's 10 wounds, it's t- T6 or T7?
3: T7. Right? Uh, t7, 12 wounds, and uh, 3 apart. 12 wounds, oh. yeah, yeah. So, like, that thing in the backfield.
2: And, and, like, if you fall short, right, you heal at, like, ten hundred health, and then nothing happens. <laughs> Whereas, like, chickens, like, 6 damage kills a guy, 6 damage kills a guy. Every time I yeah. kill a guy, firepower gets reduced.
3: Yeah, and it nets you two points for your secondary. Bring it down.
2: Definitely. Per, and, like, T6, 4 armor is a lot more yeah. attractive to try to deal with. Definitely. So I did I do, you know, when I play against Adamic, I do the same thing. I kill the chickens first because it's just the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um to that end, do you often keep your Scorpius disintegrators out of line of sight and use that as the safety mechanism for them? Or do you just like, you know, use the gun to be offensive but they're (laughs) in line of sight blasting away anyways?
3: I always Almost uh, use all their guns. Actually, uh, just to like okay. so we're not trying
2: to hide behind walls, even though they are well, indirect in direct fire. In some
3: cases, I might if it's obvious that they will just die if they, if I show them. Like if I face a town or something, then I might mm-hmm. hide them. But, but generally will, speaking, yeah, generally speaking, I will try to get the most out, out of their guns and force my opponent to actually t- target them because they will usually have have their hands full with priests with 2 up invos to to deal with. Um, yeah, yeah, or chickens. Yeah. So it's it's usually fine to use. Right. They don't have time uh, to do with
2: that stuff, and that's that's super true. I, but I guess
3: I that's what's what's nice about crazy. the list that it has some like <laughs> good internal balance. I guess because it can all operate on 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 full uh, efficiency quite quite nicely until they get a, like to all the ballistari and get to all the priests, and that usually doesn't happen that often. That they can. Yeah, that's on.
2: one of the things I, I love about your list. is because you're doing it all in one detachment, and it's all mixed. There's just no fat in this list. Like there's a little bit of troops, but like, yeah, even their are There's nothing that there's no wasted points, and your army is very flexible and synergistic. I love it. Yeah. Um, nice. Is there any changes you were considering? Like I know you played 10 billion games with that mix, so it's taken you a while to kind of arrive at this iteration. Do you want to just take us on that journey with you?
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, so obviously, I started out with like Mars shooting. Figured I'd I need some fulgurites. Realized that oh, hey, the board is a lot smaller. I can be the bully close combat first turn charger army now, and that's nice. Uh, I should try some stages, and that worked really well. I also tried the the new fly boys, you know, with the jump packs and everything, but they didn't have the staying power that the priests do when they get their invos up. So that's why I chose not to go with them. Um. I used to be known as the guy who brought like fifty breachers in eighth edition. Uh so <laughs> I, I remember will... yes, yeah.
2: Labrance played that. That yeah. <laughs> was really annoying. <laughs>
3: uh and I also have a history with the uh, Dakabots from two years ago that I used to run a lot with the uh, Castellan Knight and yeah. six Dakabots and call. But uh, that was a different game back then, different missions. Um I guess also I had some good success in eighth edition with the transport spam list because the transports were so cheap. So that's when my I guess my love for the electro priests first. When I first found them like when I ran the stygis, uh, uh, stygis, boat spam list with seven transports, and yeah, they were really really good for and and with ninth edition being. Um, so focused on standing on objectives and taking your opponent off, off objectives, uh, I realized that uh, they had a really nice niche uh, in ninth edition. So yeah. yeah, started looking at just uh, how can I? Because I, I used to yeah, of, of course started with two different battalions, one Stygis and one Mars. And when I cut off call from the list to to like save points and get some uh, more more units in there, I figured okay, so I only need a Dominus. There's no use to go like full Mars really, because I don't gain any benefits from having two Canticles uh, and just rolling them randomly, not being able to manipulate them anymore. So I figured I'd just pick plus one to strength on my heavy weapons first turn if I go first, uh, or pick it again if I really need to. Uh, And then there's no need for Call, no need for Mars. Uh, Okay, Stygis minus one is nice, but what's really key is the scout move. So yeah, let's try a mixed battalion. Why not? That allows me also to get the Grya guys in. And, I mean, they're not that good anymore because the, like, you can't reroll the dice for blocking the stratagem, But Yeah, but think... I mean, it,
2: it makes your opponent play a little more passive
3: with the psychers. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, I yeah, really
2: yeah. like that as a tech choice because, like, if I see you have that, now I just won't take Psychic Ritual. Like something no, like exactly,
3: that. and you will probably like keep your far seers and shadow seers outside of twenty-four, which can help sometimes. Uh, and yeah, yeah sometimes, it's definitely
2: actually knowing, especially for things like the shadow seer or warp time sorcerer, they need to be up closer to get their three range spells yeah. off.
3: And when you do actually deny an astral aim or a move twice spell or something like that, that's money in the bank <laughs> for for <laughs> well, one. Yeah,
2: that's game changing, right?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I figured that uh, that's also good, like... Yeah, nice to get the Grya guys in there in the mixed battalion. And, uh,
2: yeah. and I, I yeah. guess before we inevitably answer this question um, in the comments, Rickard's attachment is legal. You, It is all held together by the Adeptus Mechanicus keyword. He's just not benefiting from any Forge World traits because they're not all the same Forge World in his army. Um, yeah. But he still does unlock stratagems. And even the chapter-specific stratagems for Grya and Styges, like he's saying, um, mm. So the only thing he's really losing out on here, and correct me if I'm wrong, record, is just mm. your your actual like Stygies benefit from minus one hit, or your Mars benefit from multiple canticles, things like that.
3: Yep, that's the only thing because uh, I can still swap the canticle because that's just a restriction on which warlord or which fortroll my mm. warlord belongs to, which is Mars, obviously. So yeah, but that that will only benefit uh, the Mars units these days.
2: So have you given any? Uh... Mine to things like the sterilizers, or the Taraxi, or the Bomber. I know Siegs is in love with all of those units, especially the Bomber. I hate that thing so much, and (laughs) I've noticed you're not going for it. So what's the what's that about?
3: I used to run two in a couple of uh, early RTTs in ninth, and they are certainly good. But when you go second against something that can pick them off the table, they're not that good. (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, for
0: sure. (laughs) Uh, And I
3: I went second against uh, like Marine players with uh, two between last cannon dreadnoughts and that was that was those guys you know uh, or against uh, yeah. really. Uh, like
2: i think they're much oriented. more of a utility piece than they are like a damage dealer or whatever so like, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to tremor shell something or do some mortals at a phase like that's yeah. what they're good for also screening is that just yeah. something you don't think this army needs help with or is it just jdos
3: uh, well i they're they're awesome when you go first which i've seen seeks do multiple times you can bomb stuff and like move block stuff and they are really...
2: I've only ever gone second against Sieg. It's very yeah. frustrating.
3: Doesn't he always go first?
2: Every time. <laughs> and then he'll complain about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. But uh, yeah, so so I played him a lot. But then when I went second and got my ass kicked by something with long-range shooting, I figured, hey, I need to design a list that... I mean, my list that I'm running currently, I mean, if I go first, I don't need the bombers. And if I go second, they're more of a liability. I found. I and mean, you can't outflank them either, because they just deep strike in. They don't bomb anything in turn two, and then they probably die or something. So you don't get that much value for them, I've found, actually. They are perfect when you go first, or if you go second against something that can't deal with them. They're great. But I feel that this list is more suited to going second because of the scout moves. So you can like probably deploy your ballistari and your disintegrators behind line of sight blocking. And the rest of the stuff you can probably scout moving to cover like into the midfield yeah. big else or something and if you can't you then i will outflank the alistari or outflank some disintegrators if needed if i really need interesting
2: to. So you'll actually outflank your heavy hitters just to make sure you get the first shot off
3: uh, sometimes but only if the battlefield doesn't allow me to hide them and usually like in 90 percent of the games or so i i usually go up to the table i'm okay so can I fit my squad behind this uh, line of sight blocking train or this line of sight blocking train? And if my ballistarian, my Disintegrators can sit there safely, or if I'm up against something where I don't need to screen them out, then I, I don't outflank them obviously. But if I'm up against something that will just pick them up turn one, then then I think it's worth to pay the command points to outflank them because the Stygis boats they will usually like be scary enough to keep the opponent. The bit like cautious about just pushing everything forward usually i mean not against every matchup of course uh, and then sometimes if yeah. okay so i really need my Ballistari on the field because if i outflank them my opponent and my opponent goes first they will just win automatically uh, if there's a forest i might be able to deploy them there and if my opponent has two full payload mantic that will probably pick them up quite easily at least i have this forest to mitigate the damage and hopefully i might have three or four left after they shoot because they don't hit that well and then i can risk drawing them so it's more of like a calculated hmm, will the opponent be able to will i auto lose if if i outflank them and if if i don't go first eh, stuff like that so yeah, yeah try i'm to... sure
2: it's a complex kind of equation yeah you don't just outflank the chickens lightly no I'm sure.
3: No, no, of course not. Because and sometimes you just go go with the gut feeling. And yeah, I got the first turn, or oh, I got the second turn. Uh, it turned out well, okay, anyway, or it didn't, and I lost. I mean, that's that's part of the yeah. game.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's really interesting, though. I, I You and I have a similar mindset on this, where like going second is not the end of the world. Like I oh, no. often choose second turn, and uh, you know, contrary yeah. to a lot of people's popular belief, and apparently some data too from some scientists yeah. and whatnot. Going second is like really bad, so it's really interesting because the more I talk to, I guess, competitive tournament successful players, Mm. uh, they're all perfectly fine going first or second, and as they should be, you're going to go second or first 50% of the time, give or take. Yeah, so you need to have a plan for either. But I do. I mean, the numbers don't lie. There is definitely a statistical kind of superiority to first turn. Well, I think think that's skewed by the masses, or what do you think that's about? Can no, I just John. say something really
1: quick? Uh, I of think course. a lot of that is if you have not built your list to compete and go second in ninth edition, you can get sort of board positioned out of the game early. Absolutely. If you if you haven't
2: built your list well. Right. Yeah. I think ninth is the least forgiving. Like if you just start on the wrong foot, there's no catching up. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so you have to you have to build your list with the mission in mind. And if you do that, you can go first or second. And I think it's about 50-50 between top tier players, actually a lot of them may cons- may prefer to go second, uh, depending on scenario
2: and whatever else, because, you know, um,
1: I mean, if you're built frame. to go
2: first or second, then it would make sense that in some matches, you're going to choose second turn because like, you know, the wins of that specific table or that specific matchup weren't that
3: for me that it's uh, sense, like yeah. it's all up to like what which opportunities have my opponent given me and if uh, when we roll the dice and i win the roll off and i see hey i can win the game if i go first then i will take first turn of course because that means i kill i kill a key unit on your home objective i get my priest up to two up invo my ballistari will eliminate one of the biggest threat to my list and the Disintegrators will make sure that uh, I keep you from scoring engage on all fronts on the first turn because I can pick up your small units. Then I will, of course, go first. But it all depends on the variables that that present, that's presented when I win that roll off. If my but opponent. You know, has this to... goes
2: back to what we were saying with yeah. Brad Chester in last week's podcast. He's playing Salamanders. Uh-huh. And we had him on talking about his armor. Oh, cool. And he was going on about how one of his hardest matchups is Admech because they <laughs> have just so many ways to instantly win the game, basically. like They can just high roll, <laughs> as you put it. And you're You're literally just describing that you're like, my plan is to see how my opponent lets me win the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, really <laughs> if, uh,
3: yeah, uh, but if if I play someone who has deployed really conservatively, like a good player who has like thought about all that stuff, and there's no point in me going first. I'd rather have uh, him or her go first and like pick like come out to the midfield and play, and then I have all my fulrights in in charge range. Rather than going first and not having my full rights in charge range, but there's also like two missions I think which really favor me going first, and that's the missions that has a specific rule that allows me to hold all the objectives that I start my command phase on. You know, there are like yeah, two those of those missions,
2: objectives. and uh, I think there's also the hold two to score five point missions, like those at missions in particular.
3: Is, uh, yeah, one is at least one of them is one the is one yeah, with, uh, like is one like the, yeah exactly the four four objectives in like diagonally in the midfield so because right. what i can do there if i go those first
2: you have definitely a severe advantage for going first that's not yeah. really debatable no, because then i but scout move the other non the
3: ra- two raiders and, uh, and the transports. and then when i have my first turn i hold all the midfield objectives and i can just move backwards after that and just train my guns and have my priests like overlapping threat bubbles on on those objectives that i now hold and that forces my opponent to come out and play and take them from me because otherwise I will just hold all those those objectives all game. Mm-hmm. So that's one scenario where yeah. I always just go second if I can. Or sorry, go first. <laughs> of course. Go first. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it
1: sounds like we're kind of we're kind of moving into uh episode two territory where we're starting to talk about matchups and individual like tactics with the list. Is there anything else, Nick, that you want to talk about as far no, as from a strategic? The same same question,
2: john uh, What's that? Rick, I was about to ask you the yeah. same question. <laughs> Uh, Rickard's been doing great out here, and uh, thank you coming on for coming on, Rickard. You were very well spoken and no literally thanks. answered every ADMIC question I didn't even think to ask. So
3: <laughs> thank you.
2: So Rickard, thanks so much for coming on. Is there up anywhere people can find you for more advic help?
3: Yes, there actually is. When I embarked on this journey to try and become the best uh, or the highest ranked ADMIC player in the ITC, I created a Facebook page called uh, Competitive Pure Adeptus Mechanicus. And um, you're more than welcome to join that group. I think it has up to almost 2,000 members now. And we focus on com- playing competitive Adeptus Mechanicus pure. That means you can have one night, you can have some assassins and some inquisitors, but no no soup. There's a sister group for that as well in there. But uh, feel free to Excellent. join. It would be awesome to get more people in there. Thank you.
2: That's awesome. Thanks, Rickard. Happy to have you. It was very well done.
1: So thank you very much, Rickard, for joining us. And everyone thank else... You. We'd like to invite you to join our Patreon. I don't know if you guys are are not patrons yet. A couple things I wanted to point out. First, you will get a custom feed, and we upload these episodes usually on the Wednesday or the Thursday before they come out on the Frontline Gaming Network on Monday. So you can get your own custom feed um, and get the episodes early and then you also get access to the second episode which as I described earlier is full of awesome where we will talk about uh, optimal play with the list we're gonna go through all the tactics like you know what does he do against space Marines you know what does he do against death guard who just want to survive everything you know that's like a movable object and unstoppable force kind of discussion um, so anyway, Hopefully, we'll see some new patrons over there. For everyone else, uh, we'll see you next week. Peace and love.
0: Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at aow40k.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40k, hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Demaris, produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at aow40k.com, and of course, connect, connect. on Facebook. Just look for AOW40k. 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 Till next time.